that to your mother, that is her ownership. If I pass away suddenly, and that cup is still here, that will get included in my, because they'll read my wasiyah. This, this room belongs to it, whereas this is not my property. And I will become responsible for that. I will be guilty of usurping somebody else's rights. Now this was the extent to which they took that steps and precaution to make sure that there is this complete definition of ownership. There is no grey area in it. And this is how it's meant to be, this is how it should be. So this is the important aspect regarding this definition of ownership. This is all part of the responsibility of every person in his lifetime. This is his responsibility and part of his duty to make sure that the inheritance tomorrow is distributed correctly. He didn't do this right and tomorrow things went wrongly, he also would be party to the public. He also will be accountable for it. He also will be responsible on their payout. So therefore this is the one aspect, the aspect about this definition of property. Then the second thing is to make a will. As far as making a will is concerned, this is something that has been highly stressed in the Hadith and Nabi Islam has given great reward mentioned One Hadith Nabi Islam says Man mata ala wasiyatin mata ala tabirin The person who passed away after having made a will then in this regard he has passed away on a clear path and was sunnatin he has passed away on the sunnah Furthermore Nabi Islam says Wa mata ala tukar that is regards to this branch of deen, he's passed away on taqwa. And furthermore, was shahadatim. And since he did this right, Allah Ta'ala blessed him with a stage of shahadat. And further, wa mata maghfuran lahu, his sin will be forgiven. Now this is the virtue of making a will. This is something that should not be neglected. Person should have his will made. Imam Hadith Nabi Islam says, and if a person has something which is necessary to record in his will, it must not be even, he must not even wait for two nights to pass, but that should be done. So this will is something that we should be concerned about. As far as the will is concerned, there are different categories. One is a fard will, it's compulsory. There is no choice in this matter. When will the fard will be applicable? This will be applicable upon a person who has something to state in terms of his estate, his belongings, whatever it is. For example, the person has some debts. Now what is the normal business debts which are recorded in the business books? Fine. Anybody knows that if a person has a business and he has debts, he has creditors, so there are the books, they will see whatever is recorded there. So there are certain things that are recorded there, that's clear, that's fine. But apart from that, he's borrowing from somebody and now he's made no note about it. Person gave a note and he didn't make any note about it. Now tomorrow, his heirs will not be able to claim. There will be some who will come. They will come up on their own and they will say, look, I have borrowed this from your father. Or rather the other way around, the creditor, the creditor will come and say, look, your father owes me this. I have lent him this money. And there will be some heirs who would be having that taqwa. They might accept the person's word that this person is an upright person, is an honest person, is not going to make up the story. They'll pay him. 
And there will be those who will say, and you can't blame them for that, that you first bring the evidence that you lent this money, or father didn't pay you back yet. Please bring the evidence, they didn't pay you. Where are you going to bring the evidence from? Because there's no record of it anywhere. Uh, that this person didn't pay back this money, whatever the case is, or he even to start off with, you can't record it there. Or this creditor has got some note, of, this person made no note, I'm owing so, many, so much of money to somebody. Uh, he becomes responsible for that. If he doesn't get paid, he's going to be accountable. The other way around, he is being owed money. They are debtors of private loans. One is business debtors that will be recorded in the business books. He lends somebody something, lends somebody some money, whatever it is. He makes no note of it. Tomorrow his heirs can't claim from anybody because they've got no proof. They've got no record of it. He is responsible for doing his own heirs down. He will be accountable for this on the day of Yamu. That he trampled their right. It's not that because it's my children, so fine, doesn't matter. Maybe on the day of Qiyamah they might say, okay, doesn't matter, our father let it be. But on the day of Qiyamah, Allah Ta'ala says, يَوْمِ يَفِرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ وَأُمِّهِ وَأَبِيهِ وَصَاحِبَتِهِ وَبَنِيهِ لِكُلِّ مْرِئٍ مِّنْهُمْ يَوْمَ إِذِنْ شَأْنِ الْجُغْنِ On that day the father will flee from the son, the son will flee from the father. The mother will flee from the daughter, the daughter will flee from the mother. And every person will be worried about themselves. On that day Allah forbid and come to Jacob to ask. So this is part of a third world that a person has to have it recorded. Maybe it might not be in the will itself, it would be in an addendum that I have lent these monies to so and so, I have borrowed these monies from so and so, and I will get paid hidden. Put the record of it paid, done, or received. So that's also a very important thing. Of that third world is if he has amanats of some sort of people or he's kept them amanat some way, he will write all that down. So these kind of things that are necessary in order to make sure that nothing goes out of line so that he will write. Part of the will, or rather people think that the will, who, who should be given what in terms of his heirs. So this is something to bear in mind that an automatic heir there are certain categories of relationships that they inherit automatically. The sons, daughters, you know, the children, the parents of a person. Basically, it will be these people, the spouse. If supposing there are no children, then there will be others that might come into the picture, depending on who their surviving relatives are. But there are some relatives who would automatically inherit. In the presence of some people, others would not inherit. But in their absence, they might inherit. This is a very complicated, a very, not complicated, but a very deep field in itself. And it's something that is not so straightforward. There are many, many different situations that come about. This is something to refer to the Muftis for. But the point that we're making is that any automatic heir, his share is already determined in the Quran and Sunnah. There is no determining in the world that so-and-so will get this and so-and-so will get that. That is not valid. It's null and void. Sometimes it happens that somebody, they make a wasiyat, a bequest, will come up to bequest just now, but they make a bequest for an heir, that this piece of jewelry give it to the daughter of mine. That daughter cannot be given that jewelry as part of this wasiyat. She is an heir, 
and she will inherit whatever her share is and there's no, no need to stipulate any shares for anybody, it's already stipulated. So, that is not part of the will that is necessary for a person to record, but nevertheless, for our purposes, he'll record this much that my estate must be wound up according to the laws of Sharia. That is sufficient for him. Then, in the third will, if he is what you call any other hukuk, ibad, etc., that is basically what he will record there. Then, if he doesn't have anything of this nature, then there's a sunnah. Meaning, just basically to have a will in place, it's not compulsory because everything is straightforward. He passes away, Lord, he wound up according to Sharia, he doesn't have any debts, nobody's owing him anything, there's no amanas outstanding, nothing to record in that regard. Fine. But there is still something which is sunnah to have a will in place. And what he will do, the least he will do is he will appoint some executors. In the event of my demise, I have my appointment so and so to take charge of my estate and to ensure that everything is wound according to Sharia and it is distributed correctly to the people that are, uh, whoever the heirs are, etc. So he will put that, he will appoint executors. On this note of executors, there is just one very important part to remember that the executor, the executor is an administrator of the estate. He is not the owner. He may be an owner if it's a son, if it's an heir, for example. So he may be an owner of his share. And many a times he doesn't own anything. So he is an administrator. His job is to see to it that the correct procedure is followed, the correct processes are put into place, each person gets his rightful share, that is his duty. He doesn't have the prerogative to deal with the estate as he feels appropriate. That will be the prerogative of the owners. He decides to dispose of some asset, cash it up. That's not his prerogative. That is the prerogative of the owners. His job is to administrate the estate and to ensure that everybody gets their rightful share. Unfortunately, sometimes these kind of things happen because now the person has been vested with that authority, he has signing powers. He has signing powers, he is buying and selling things off as he deems at, at will and sometimes disposing some assets because he felt that this is better off in that manner. The actual owners don't even know what happened and where something went, next thing they see, well, this is already disposed of. That is not his property. So that was just a note on the side, but we'll come to the executor just now again. So this was the aspect about this. Sunnah that a person will appoint executors. Then in the Sunnah world, and in his any world for that matter, he can make a wasiyat. What is this wasiyat? A bequest. As we just mentioned it now, a bequest cannot be made for an heir. But any non-heir, somebody who won't inherit, a person is entitled to make a wasiyat, but that wasiyat will not exceed one-third of the net estate after the payment of all debts, after the payment of funeral expenses first, then all debts, then whatever is left over, maximum one-third of that, he can make a bequest. The bequest for non-heirs. Now for example, he wants to make a bequest for the masjid, for some madrasa, for some friend of his, or whoever, somebody who won't inherit in that estate automatically. As far as making a bequest is concerned, 
the guideline in this is that if it is a relatively small estate, then the better thing is not to make the bequest also. Some small amount, fine, 5%, something like that, he can make out a bequest by all means, because this is a last opportunity for him to do something after he's left the senior. Something for the Akira. So some small amount, not to exhaust that entire world If it is a relatively small estate, then rather leave it for the heirs. Some amount, by all means. If it is a relatively large estate, then he should take advantage of this opportunity to make something more for his Akhirat. After his eyes close, this is an opportunity for him to secure a little bit more for the Akhirat. But it is still better not to exhaust the entire one third. 20%, 25%, he makes a wasir for any dini cause, etc., to build some wealth somewhere, whatever else, so that his reward of the Akhirat carries on. In that aspect of wasir, what is the wasiyat of this nature? That so much so, this amount be given to so and so, that amount be given to the Madrasa, to the Masjid. But there is another part of wasiyat. And the other part of wasiyat is what is called advice, nasihat. But that nasihat, when it's the parting advice, is called wasiyat. That nasihat, which a person was giving his whole life, now he made it part of his will. That is now called wasiyat. All our Akabir had this wasiyat made. That a good part of their will included advice to their families. Many a times, a person gave that advice his whole life, nobody heard. Now when he left it in his will, he so to say, as a way of saying it, so to say, he is speaking from his grave now. Mm-hmm. And people very often take that. So now this is opportunity to give them advice. Please make sure you perform your five times salah daily. Please make sure you perform the jamaat in the case of males. Please keep the home free from all elements of shaitan. Please ensure that the tarbiyah of the children is made on in the line of deen. Any advice of this nature, there are so many crucial things. And this is something to do. There are many advices of the Akabir that have been actually printed translated and printed as, as samples, so to say, as what is meant to be put into a wasiyat of this nature. This is something we should take advantage of and put that kind of wasiyat. So this is the aspect of the sunnah world. Then there is the haram world. So the first world, the sunnah world, there is the haram world. The haram world already has been dealt with partly that where a person puts things in that world which are not according to sharia. For example, making a bequest for some heir, people do that, or stipulating shares for the heirs, I give this to so and so, or giving some item to a particular heir in the world, all this is not permissible, it is null and void. On the aspect of the haram world, there is two parts to this also. One is the person who made the haram world, he is obviously responsible for it. He will be accountable for it. That is already a sin in itself to have written that down. The other is the people thereafter. It is haram for them to fulfill what has been written in that world which is not in accordance with Sharia. So one is this person's son. If they carry that out, many a times this happens unfortunately, that now when that what comes out, so that rule is not things in that world which are but now in accordance to that rule 
one person stands to vote and what he will get if it's distributed again. Whole life, he didn't listen to his father. So now he felt now the whole life I didn't listen to him, at least one time I was listening to him. <laughs> so now he says, but this was my father's last word and I go against him. Change your father, he says, yeah, but at least one time when he obeys. So now, but in obeying his father in deeper trouble, and he's putting himself in trouble also. So this is something that is not permissible to carry out. Those who will carry out their haram way will also be responsible. Even the law of the land, the law of the land also readily agreed redistribution. That if a person has made something in the legal documents, so the legal documents of the master of the court, etc., he will have to he will do things according to that will. But if all the parties jointly, mutually do a redistribution agreement, then that legal document that becomes a legal document and that will be accepted. And even obviously the legalities in terms of the law of the land, this is a secondary issue. This is just to make sure that fine we don't have any problems in terms of the day-to-day legal issues. But the Sharia is supreme. And primarily that is what has to be done. Even if for example the redistribution agreement wasn't done, whatever the court will rule, but everything was done correctly on the ground, that's fine. That's good enough. Everybody got their proper shetty share, that's good enough. But the better thing to do would be if such a situation ever crops up, that somebody left a will that is not valid, that now the redistribution agreement be done in accordance with the shetty requirements. So this is the aspect about the will. In the will sometimes will, unfortunately, whatever the situation might have been, how somebody might have conducted himself, whatever the case might be, some person because he's so heartbroken about some particular child, he did disinherit that child. That disinheriting is not worth the paper is written on. But that's a shari'i right that Allah has given. So he doesn't have the prerogative to disinherit anybody. He cannot exclude anybody. That person will still be entitled to the right that Allah has given. When included in that is, basically we covered all the other aspects regarding that. So this is the aspect of the person who has had to do his things, clarify his issues, so that he doesn't leave problems behind. So just to quickly recap this part of the discussion, what was very important as we said right at the beginning, complete clarity, complete definition, who owns what. And together with that, and the Farah will appointing executives more points. When appointing executives, sometimes people appoint their non-Muslim attorneys as executives. Now, what that person knows about Sharia, and this is something that has got everything to do with Sharia. Many a times they push for things which are not in accordance with Sharia because they feel they're safeguarding the person's interests. But how they should safeguard his interests by violating Allah Ta'ala's law? So somebody who has taqwa, he might not be having all the knowledge, but somebody who has taqwa, who has some experience in this regard, he might be a close family person, he might be a child, son, whatever. By all means, he may include somebody for the purposes of all the legalities and so on, who have experience in the field, but appoint people who first and foremost have Iman and who have deen in them, who have the fear of Allah. 
that tomorrow whatever is meant to be done is done correctly. Any case coming now to the next part of it, what was this person's responsibility, what he had to do in his lifetime? Then comes the person after he has passed away, now the responsibility of those who are left behind. So those are his heirs and obviously the executors. The executors have a very, very great responsibility. A very sensitive task is on their head. A very delicate task. The people's rights have to be fulfilled. And Hukukulibad is a very difficult thing. So therefore, now to devolve upon the executors and the heirs. What are their responsibilities when a person has passed away? First and foremost, they will discharge the funeral expenses, take care of that. After the funeral expenses are over, now immediately the winding up of the estate should begin. The word immediately might sound a very yes without delay. It might be a day, two days, but without any undue delay. If it happens the same so person might wonder that same day, what are you talking about? The person that water on his grave hasn't started drying yet. Mm. You already will start talking about the money? No, no, we're not talking about money, we're talking about Bukukul Ibar. He's not talking about money. He's talking about the rights of people. Allah Ta'ala has given rights of people. And that rights of people has to be fulfilled. So without undue delay, that process must start. There will be many logistics involved, but the process must start. There should be a sitting of all the heads. There should be some kind of understanding of what's going on. What is involved in the estate? how it's going to be taken forward and the process must start immediately. So this is the first step that has to happen thereafter. Now this brings us to the question of what is the estate? Because <laughs> you have to start writing up the estate. So what is the estate? The estate in the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, لِلْرِجَالِ نَصِيبٌ مِمَّا تَرَكَ الْوَالِدَانِ وَالْأَقْرَبُونَ وَلِلْنِسَاءِ نَصِيبٌ مِمَّا تَرَكَ الْوَالِدَانِ وَالْأَقْرَبُونَ the men, the males also have a share of whatever has been left by the deceased. The females also have a share. And then Allah Ta'ala says, Mimma qalla kasur. From every little and great portion. In other words, no matter how big something might be, or how small something might be, in every item, everybody has their share. All the heirs, in their proportions. In every item, if that item is a some diamond worth a million, and if that item is an office pill, there's a sharing. If it is something happening, the one is still lying there. It is very, very as such. The person's old clothing in his cupboard, he probably been wearing for years. That is also part of their state. Many times, Somebody has passed away after a day or two, people open the cupboards, they start, whoever now has control over those things, they start now dishing out things whoever they want to. Or some poor person came, just came all the things. It is not permissible to just do something without the permission of all the heirs. And if there is any minor involved, that minor's permission also is not valid. That's the wealth of the Yatim. So the estate constitutes every single item that was owned by the deceased. 
the car, he changed his tire, now they've got old tires in the casing is lying outside, that's part of their face. Now somebody has made it a flower pot or somebody they will try it. No, no, that flower pot too is part of their face now. So every little and big thing that has been left behind is part of their estate. One person was on his deathbed and some people had come to visit him, it was late at night. He was very sick and then he suddenly started passing away. So there were several people sitting there on his bedside, one guru was also sitting there. And now this person started breathing his last and eventually he passed away. It was night, there was one lamp that was burning on his bedside. As soon as he passed away, the Guzuru that was sitting there at his bedside as well, the first thing he did was, he extinguished that lamp. Mm. Now when he extinguished that lamp, the whole room was left in darkness. So whoever was there, started, somebody started complaining about this, what did you do? Why did you extinguish that lamp? He said, look, this lamp belonged to this person while he was alive. As long as he was alive, it was burning for his benefit. We were also here, we were also benefiting. But this lamp was burning for his benefit, he was alive, that was fine. Now that he has passed away, this now has become the property of his heir. They are all not here, we haven't taken their permission. We don't even know if there's a minor involved. If the minor is involved, we can't even take his permission. We have no right to use the, the oil of this lamp and the lamp without the owner's permission. Mm. Person passes away and he's been buying the groceries in the house. So everything that and he just bring it, it belongs to him. The person passed away. So now people came to the house. So now whatever is lying in the cupboard takes still gets used. Or tea people are having tea so they're using the sugar, they're using the tea bags, who does that belong to? So you see involved? So now we're drinking the getting tea up. So this is a very, very important thing about the estates. That what constitutes the estate? Every single item. Yes, sometimes these things now can become a bit complicated or how to handle this. Very simple. The very simple thing is that all these kind of consumables, these kind of things that now are not really of use to anybody, that old clothing, that one shoe, that tire that lying outside. So one air, not that I give somebody the coffee, he said, okay, I'm buying all the stuff. Put a value create, a fair value, if there is any often involved in the SP market value. For that, the team share. For each portion of it, it has to be market value. Otherwise, whatever is mutually agreed. If everybody says, keep it for free, well and good. Provided they are all adults, they are happy about that. Now it has become his, he bought it off, he put the money into their estate, and he kept the items, meaning it's his. Now he can do as he wants. He can give it to who he wants and keep it for himself, whatever he wants. So it's a very simple thing. All the consumers, somebody bought it off, it became his. It became his, now he says, fine, use it, fine. Nobody has a problem now. It's his. So there are very simple ways of taking care of all the requirements, but this requires that we be conscious of it. And we take the practical steps to do it when the issue comes up. Then together with that, in terms of the winding up process, as we said that, first the funeral expenses will be taken care of, then 
the debts of a person will be discharged. After the criminal expenses have been taken care of, the first priority is the paying off of his debts. Debts, this is something which is established in Sharia. The least often took loans also sometimes. But if we really look into the deep Sharia and into the life of the the life of the Sahaba Kiram, there's one thing that is very clear that loans of money that were borrowed, wealth that was borrowed, this was something only done for bare necessities. There was never some kind of borrowing for the sake of wealth creation. This is something that has come from the Western ideology and from the capitalist way of life that now in order to just keep building the entire person and borrowing big big amounts of money and for wealth creation that just never finishes off. That concept is alien to me. Yes, a person out of necessity, he borrows something, there is this leeway in deen, but at the same time, Nabi Islam very strongly discouraged this. In one hadith, Nabi Islam, his dua is mentioned. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-kufri wa dayn. Ya Allah, I seek your protection from kufr, from disbelief, and from death. Somebody was there, got astonished. Are you bringing these two things side by side? Kufr and death? Because asking for protection from both these things simultaneously, there's a very big message in it. Are these things almost equal? Obviously they're not equal. Kufr is kufr and death are not kufr. But this person said, yes, I am equating it in the sense that sometimes death lead to kufr. Mm. A person is in that state now, he's owing so much money, and he can't pay, and then somebody comes and says, okay, I'll sort it out, but now they're inviting him to Christianity. This bills are paid, but you come to the church. Allah forbid the person for that ends up there in the church. So sometimes this is what it can become. The Prophet said to his son, avoid death, because this is grief at night and an embarrassment in the day. At night is grief and I can't sleep. And the day now he's ducking and diving from the creditor, I hope he doesn't see me, he'll ask me for the money. <laughs> so now this is embarrassment in the day and it's sleeplessness at night. So out of necessity a person has taken loans, by all means. Nabi Islam sometimes a person would pass away, he would ask, is this person owing anything? Say yes, he's owing something. Did he leave sufficient funds behind to pay his debts? So sometimes it would be that no, he didn't leave anything. Nabi Islam would say, Sallu ala sahibikum. You perform the salat of janaza, I am not part of this. Can you imagine Allah, Nabi Islam is present? What a great benefit for a person and an honor for a person. Nabi Islam makes his salat of janaza. Mm. Say, no, I am not making this namaz of janaza. The Sahaba would be really taken aback by it. Somebody would immediately say, okay, I have taken all his debts on my responsibility. Whatever he is owing to anybody, Please, come, take, take it from me. Then Nabi Islam would come forward and say, okay, fine, now I'll perform the Salat al-Janaza because his death has been taken care of. Mm. So this is something that is to be very careful about. Nevertheless, all his debts will now be written. Debts are not fulfilled. Then his entry into Jannah remains suspended. 
His entry into Jannat remains suspended until such time that he gets the purpose. So therefore this is the first priority. It is not permissible to distribute anything of the estate until the debts are discharged. If everything gets exhausted in discharging the debts, that has to be done. If it left nothing after the debts are fulfilled, well, there is nothing. But that's the first priority to pay all the debts out. After the debts have been discharged, then if a person has made any wasiyat, so put that one third of the estate, the wasiyat that you made, that will be paid out. And after the wasiyat has been paid out, the balance now will be distributed to the heirs according to their charity proportions. So this is how that estate will be discharged. This is basically the responsibility of the heirs themselves, of the executives, to make sure that all this happens according to Sharia. There are many, many other aspects in that regard. I mean, also already over, we don't go into all those details. This is just, this whole discussion also can only just touch the surface. The whole purpose is to just make us conscious. We can't deal with everything here. It's just to make us conscious that there is a lot to learn in the Quran. And especially if we are now faced with the situation to find out. Indeed, if you are given it, one very common thing is sometimes where a person is owning a house, not a house that's all probably owned. Mashallah, very good. Just said what it means. Yes, I know what it means. I gave it to my wife. She says, well, if she wants now, she can give it away to her brother. She says, no, she can't give it to her brother. <laughs> but you give it to her. Belongs to her. No, no, she can't give it. She can sell it away if she wants. No, she can't sell it. You've never given it to her. Giving, giving it is not just a statement. She must now be handed the control of it. Possession of it. In the property, the possession will be controlled. In some movable item, it must come in the person's control, in his hand. Or he must take charge of it. Only then the gift has been validated, the ownership has passed to the donee. Otherwise, it still remains the ownership of the donor. As he passes away, that will be part of his estate. So if a person has, he thinks he has given some gift away, and maybe better still, if he thinks he received a gift, he better check up whether he really received it or not. <laughs> maybe he is just dreaming about it that he received it, doesn't really belong to him yet. So the point is that there are certain very delicate messiah in this regard so to check about it, to find out the all my ground. Look, this is what I have done, is this valid yet? Then there is another aspect that this too happens sometimes. One is that this is not in accordance with the spirit of Sharia. Start away from the spirit of Sharia. What is that? A secret nikah. A person was married secretly. That means, even if it is valid in terms of the validity of the nikah, it's totally against the spirit of Sharia. Spirit of Sharia is a'alimun nikah. What the alu fil masajid. Announce the nikah. Have it in the masjid. So now you say, announce the nikah, have it in the masjid, the one person says, I will do it 100%. I'm going to announce it, have it in the masjid, in one farm town in China, somewhere. <laughs> that doesn't help. Announce it where he lives. Announce it to those who know him and who it matters to. So now this is something which sometimes happens that a person has contracted a secret nikah. Wow. Only he knows about it. Now he passed away. Now that lady is also part of the estate. Oh. That is why she will share one eighth 
with the first wife. Now the first wife, she doesn't know anything about this. There will be very, very rare circumstances that the incident will finish upon, of which Allah might be Josie Rahimullah has written. There was one person who was in Baghdad, businessman, and life was carrying on very nicely. But as time went on, his wife felt that something is not the same. That sixth sense, <laughs> which many people felt tall of. <laughs> so that sixth sense told her something is not, not in order. So one day she told her maid servant, the slave woman, that look, tomorrow when he goes in the morning, you just keep a distance and not follow him and observe quietly what's happening, where he's going, what's going on. So the next morning he left, he went to his work, she followed at a distance, he sees fine, he's busy with his work, etc. So her time came, he was dead. So she's standing at the side of the watching. After the salah is over, he comes out of the masjid, but now he, his shop is on the right, he's taking a left turn. So she followed him. So now the left turns are dangerous. So in any case, after some time, he comes to some house, and he enters the house and he's gone inside. So she was somebody who worked out what to do here, how to find out what's going on. So she went and knocked on the neighbor's door. And made some excuse pretext, somehow they were talking and they called inside. And as the conversation went, he said, well, who, who lives here? Who lives next door? There was next door this person, this businessman from Baghdad, well-known person, he got Shana She came. <laughs> Whatever Allah Ta'ala gave courage to this lady, she didn't make it known. She told that maid servant, you know about it, you keep it to yourself. Then you tell anybody. And she herself did not disclose it to us that I am now aware of what's going on. What heart Allah Ta'ala gave her was she carried on making the khidmat as things where she did everything normally. What she was experiencing within herself only she knows. Time passed, this person was sick and after when he passed away, now she, everything was in her hands. So she started winding up the estate and she then called the great servant and finally when everything was done, she gave her one bag. It was filled with 500 either dinars or dirhams. According to one, it's dinars. 500 gold coins, 500 krugerans of this time, but the buying value of that time. Any case, she said, look, this is the share of that lady who was the second wife. You take it to her and you go and give it to her. Any case, this lady came, this servant came, she knocked on the door, or the invited him, come, what do you have come for? So she said, look, I've come with some news. The news I've come with is that your husband had passed away because he was very ill for a while, so he was left in his first house. So she probably didn't even know what happened. So now she's giving her the news that because we didn't have any work at that time. <laughs> so in any case, and she said, look, this is the issue that your husband has passed away. So she started crying. Afterwards, she said, look, I've come with this amanat. The first wife sent this whole bag of money that this is your share of the inheritance. Now, can you imagine, this was the second wife and nobody else knew about it. If this first wife decided not to do anything about it, to keep the money for herself, apparently who was the wiser? She sent it. In any case, when this message came, and she's saying this is your share of the inheritance, this lady woke up, went to one cupboard, pulled out a piece of paper and came back. She said, look, I'm not entitled to this. 
whatever happened happened but he had divorced me and there is the paper and my iddat is over so now that my iddat is over I'm not attached to anything you take it back to the lady and tell her this belongs to her how many people in dunya are left like that Allah Ta'ala knows there would be Allah Ta'ala servants but unfortunately that's not going to be the majority but this is the issue that if a person has contracted a secret nikah to stand against the dictates of Sharia in terms of the spirit of Sharia the other part of it is he would end up trampling somebody's rights more often than not the second wife's right would get trampled because she's got no evidence nobody knows she was married as you said a very very detailed subject he cannot do any justice ji the one aspect in the first world the first world we missed out one point was that if a person hasn't yet fulfilled his works qada qala is outstanding some far outstanding other hukukullah in that regard he didn't give his zakat for years now he realized and he's not in a position to do it now he needs to have the record of this somewhere and he needs to make what he has said I am now busy fulfilling this but now whatever is left over to then that needs to be discharged but that will be discharged from one third of the estates after one third of the estate the balance of it will go to the heir but he needs to have a record of that and that will be discharged if whatever is left over this can be in a gendum as well and as he goes about fulfilling those salahs every week updated whatever else he has fulfilled he updated the balance will then be taken care of Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala give us a topic that all the aspects of being we bring fully in our life and especially the very very delicate aspect of inheritance Allah Tabarak enable us to fulfill and discharge this correctly Allah Tabarak give us a topic of staying steadfast on Iman Allah Tabarak keep us on Iman take us on Iman raise us on the day of Qiyamah to Iman Ba'ashirul Da'wana Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Azim Allahumma Alhamdulillahi Alhamdulillahi اللهم لا نحسيتنا عليك أنت كما أحييت على نفسك جزا الله معنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله اللهم افتح لنا بخير واكتب لنا بخير واجعل واكتب أمورنا بخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم تبتكنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان وأحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك من أمريك وحديثك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعادك من أمريك وحديثك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العظيم العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين الحمد لله